to another episode of Visitor's Guide to Springfield, the show where two guys sit down and watch The Simpsons, one of them being a super fan and the other one being a guy who's heard of the show. My name is Greg Bach. And he's the guy who's heard of the show. And the guy next to me is Tyler Menz. And I'm the super fan. And welcome, welcome, welcome. We hope you had a great holiday. Uh, you're probably hearing this after weeks after holiday, but it doesn't matter. We hope you had a good holiday time. Hope you got presents. Hope you had a good New Year's. Hope you got to kiss someone pretty on the night of New Year's Eve. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Well, it's nice uh, to wish someone like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I wish happiness upon all of uh, who listen to our podcast. And if they don't listen to our, po- our podcast, I couldn't give a crap about it. Wow. Yeah. Bitter. Exactly. Until they start listening, that's when I start caring. It's pr- quid pro quo, everybody. Quid pro quo. So, uh, so, yeah, we are sitting down today and we are talking about the episode The Call of the Simpsons, which is season one, episode... Eight, uh, released on February the 18th, 1990. But wait a minute. Whoa, hold up. We didn't just we didn't just listen to this episode, just Tyler and I, did we, Tyler? No, in fact, we watched the episode, not listened to it. I don't understand myself <laughs> anymore. I've been drunk since Christmas. Not alone, though. We have a special guest for you guys today. Who um, is it? Please welcome <gasps> the one and only Jordan Gustowski, everybody. Yay! Thanks for saying my name right. Uh, you're welcome, Mr. Gwarnick. That's right. That's how you do it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jordan, for being on the show. Really Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, Jordan, you are a, uh, a podcaster in your own right. I, I do. I have a podcast called Punkcast. Punkcast. It's, uh, I sh- you told me I couldn't swear, but it's the name of it. It's the name of the show. It's it's okay. Take that, FCC. Um, so, it is a podcast about puns. Punkcast, a podcast, a podcast. Uh, you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. We're all your favorite uh, yeah, podcasts are found. Can I find it on the place where my least favorite podcast? <laughs> I guess if Pandora. with your um, <laughs> does my Zoom carry your podcast? It probably does. Yeah. All right, I'll score it to you. Jordan, you're also an actor um, slash writer. On occasion, yep. I uh, yeah, I've done some productions. I uh, produce some of my own stuff. Um, you can find me three years ago on a Cellcom commercial with the great Mike McCarthy. Wow. <laughs> Judging on the Packers victory I saw tonight. I'm kidding. They lost. They lost so hard tonight. Okay. You're dating the episode. I don't care. (laughs) I don't care. Anyway, we sat down today and we watched uh, the... The Call of the Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Call yep. of the Simpsons. We gave it one a look and... Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the episode. Yep. So it was released, uh, I gotta find my notes, this February 18th, 1990. 1990. Not a whole lot going on that day in history. Really? I looked it up. Yeah, there was... Um, so this particular episode finished uh, third in the Nielsen ratings that day. Period? Yeah. Wow, that's wow. impressive. It's, yes. really, it's really, I mean... Picking up steam at this point. Fox exactly. is climbing that ladder. Yeah, I mean, like, even like a couple episodes before, they were 31st. That's right. not bad. Yeah, so third in the ratings for that day, pretty good. Um, other than that, though, uh, Sinead O'Connor was at the top of the billboard charts. And then she decided Ooh. to rip a picture of the Pope, and right? that came tumbling that down. That was a song, Nothing Compares. Uh, so. Well, that was a song, but she didn't sing that song when she ripped up the picture of the oh, Pope. I thought she did. She, uh, I think she, if I'm mistaken, she covered a song, spoken word, a Bob Marley song. 
And then ripped up a picture of the Pope and said, fight the real enemy. The 90s. On SNL, yeah. The 90s were weird. Yeah, they were. They were. But, you know, hey, I understand. It's a struggle. And Lauren Michaels was like, never again will she be on the show. I'm not impressed with her. <laughs> <laughs> Both very good Lauren Michaels impressions. Uh, yeah, so the episode itself, um, that was okay. It wasn't, yeah. That's, that you just, you're giving it an average rating? Yeah, I'm going to say, I mean, we, we watched it, there was some good stuff in there, but I got to say, all right. Yeah, I kind of agree. I uh, I definitely, it's in my canon of, like, ones I remember and had, like, on VHS f- taped off of the television that I kept watching over and over again, and so I remember so much of it, but there's a lot of things about it that just kind of leave me, like, it doesn't really have any resolution to it. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's start talking about that's, it. That's interesting that you both say that. I don't know if you know, this episode is actually nominated for an Emmy. Wow. Yes. Well, well, well. well, well. In, in the category, wait, buckle up, ready? Category of uh, sound mixing for a comedic series. Well, if then I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Which is? Well, I did want to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, know, I think, John, I think you're going to say. Yeah. The sound, beautiful. Perfect. Rich. <laughs> Enveloping, resonant. Felt like I was right there with them. That yeah. category in itself is probably comedic. still not around. Well, so yeah. So if we're starting from the beginning, uh, yeah. sound mixing. Uh, Lisa's solo, where she does the super jazzy yeah. uh, Simpsons theme, it was it was beautiful. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Sounded great. We were uh, speaking of uh, intros. We were back to the long intro. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> also, this time there was no couch gag. The couch gag was no couch gag. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was not. It was, it was none, the anti gag. Exactly. It was the Neil Hamburger of couch gags. Which is that's a very risky thing to pull in your first season. Yeah, is to present this thing that people are expecting and then all of a sudden just take it away. You would think that's like a third season move. Yeah. Well, I like that though. They're already self aware. Yeah. And already, I guess they, they know what they are. The chalkboard thing too. I will not draw naked ladies in class. This was before Titanic, too. Which Fair is. point, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's how we do all of our dating. Exactly. Not, not before it was Titanic. By the way, anyone listening to this podcast, was, <laughs> this was not done before 1997, so we don't have any inside information. Yeah, I am saying that it was done after the actual Titanic, so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but previous to that. Uh, so Between the, Titanics, then. <laughs> well, there is a second Titanic. This is a question I have, because you guys have been watching these, and I haven't watched a classic episode in a long time. Um, There's a part in the long intro where the bus drives past and grabs the bus stop. Mm -hmm. Bart does. Oh, Bart does. Bart is skating upon his skateboard across the city, and in a scampy way, he grabs the bus sign. And they take off. That's part of the long intro. And then Lisa's Lisa's on her bike, and the bu- the books are bouncing. And yeah, like the 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 intro to Simpsons, even as a non fan, I've seen. Yeah, and I know it very well. But this one is like thirty seconds longer. Yeah, the season one is an. Expected and if you and if you watch any if you watch any show, you like if you watch Parks and Rec, the fir- I think even the first full, the first season, all of them have the extended intro music. And then they eventually cut it down. Cheers was the same way. Yeah. Cheers until until like season seven, they would have the full theme song, and then they cut it down, yeah. just a way to get to more content. Because in in television, especially in comedy, thirty seconds to forty five seconds is so much more you can put into an episode. I like how the TV show Louie did that, where there's the whole like mm-hmm. extra montage in season one, where yeah. he's like just taking a shit in a public bathroom, yeah, taking poop in a public bathroom. Whoa, <laughs> Whoa guys, we're sorry. Put the kids to bed. 
It's going to get crazy here on the uh, Visitor's Guide After Dark. Um, I do, uh, it's it's kind of like the pilot episode of uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, where you got the whole... Oh, the whole oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a story. It's true. Yeah. yeah, there's so much more you learn from that story. Uh, so let's let's get in, let's do a brief overview of the show. Uh, be, uh, open it up, it's a hot day. Bart and Homer are doing some yard work. The Flanders kids are annoying Bart with their cool riding lawnmower. Yeah, Bart's and, got a pusher. Yeah, uh, yeah manual. And then uh, Flanders shows up in a brand new RV, and Homer is enamored, and he just wants one. Mm-hmm. Just one. And what's funny is that is when when Homer says, "I get your mail every once in a while. You make like twenty seven dollars more a week than I do." I didn't expect expect Flanders to say what he said, which I think he's like, well, I save my money and I'm very frugal. He says credit. Yeah. It's like that's to me is a very un-Flanders. I mean, that's a Homer thing and not a Flanders thing, the way Flanders is so straight-laced. I think Ned's a guy who knows how to make his money work for him, though. Yeah. He yeah. needs You need to build credit. That's yes. right. Yeah. But he doesn't say it in such a sense. He just, he, it just seems like he says credit because that's the answer because that's the world we live in now, especially. I mean, credit's been around for a long time. And that's what I found interesting in the next portion, which is when he went to see uh, Cowboy Bob. Cowboy Bob. Bob. Played yeah. by Mr. Albert Brooks, the very first special guest the Simpson had. I mean, think about that. In the eighth episode, yes, that's true. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's true. Uh, you, you couldn't see it, but Tyler was doubting me. I looked this stuff up. I was thinking. But uh, even in their first season, in the eighth episode, to get Albert Brooks on the show, I think that's a big deal. That's I mean, a big Albert get. Brooks is huge now, but even back then, I mean, he was even bigger, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, but they go to Cowboy Bobby. Homer wants the biggest ones. They show him the ultimate behemoth, and they run the credit. And uh, I like, I like it. the alarm goes off, and Homer says, "Is that a good thing?" And <laughs> Bob says, is, "Is an alarm ever a good thing?" You ever know a siren to be a good thing? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Um, and, and all over the office, there's just signs that say "bad credit, good." Yeah. Um, <laughs> what I thought interesting about that too is, especially in today's day and age, you know, back then. And I'm not, I, in the in in 1990, I was not buying anything credit because I was 13. But uh, in today's day and age, it seems like even if your credit would set off an alarm, they'd still try to sell it to you. And I think about that, and like as far as like the housing bubble, when people who couldn't afford, you know, three uh, like a half a million dollar home were getting loans. And they're saying, don't worry about it, you'll be able to afford it. And then, like, four months later, it's like, uh, we don't have anywhere to live anymore. So, like, the, the fact that the fact that Cowboy Bob said, oh, I can't sell this to you because your credit isn't good, it's funny because today it would just seem like that would just be like, oh, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Do you have $199? Do you want to buy a car? Yep. That's those commercials. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. 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 Push, pull, or, or trade or whatever. It's like, we'll do anything we can to get you into something you absolutely can't afford and do not need. <laughs> Uh, the RV was two stories. I love yes, that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> There's no way that this is drivable on a road. And it had its own satellite. And it had four fryers for each piece of the chi- part of the chicken. <laughs> yeah, and as they were showing it, it had a fireplace and, like, beautiful, just, like, art hanging on the walls. Yeah. And I was thinking, this is better than The Simpsons' home. And then the first line that Lisa says is, this is nicer than our home. <laughs> <laughs> so Homer does not want to leave empty-handed because he doesn't want to be a... Uh, uh, Overshadowed by Flanders, so they get into a deal uh, with an RV that has been gently used and then a lot used. So it's a big old piece of mess. And uh, but Homer is very proud of it. He shows it off to Flanders, 
And Flanders, of course, is Flanders saying, I hope you have a great time in it. And, and it's so strange, uh, back, popping back to Flanders, it's weird seeing him initially as, like, bragging. You don't yeah. see a braggadocious Flanders yeah. uh, really ever. So really? the first season, they're still kind of finding their footing with characters. It's uh, probably going to be easier for Homer to be annoyed and, and dislike Flanders when there's someone just wrapped in so much nice yeah. without a hint of any kind of... Um, other agenda or or, or braggy braggadociousness yeah. if that's if that is a word. So it was it was it was cool to see him come back to yeah. Flanders and Bre- Flanders just being like, great, howdy doodly. Yeah. So and then and then what I thought would be the crux of the episode is pretty much abandoned at that point where they go camping and the they end up crashing or the the the, the RV ends up going over a cliff and exploding and that's it and then the rest of the episode is them in the wild, right? Which you know says the call of the Simpsons. Totally. Exactly. Is that a reference to something? The Call of the Wild. Call of the Wild. I know. <laughs> by, uh, by, it's by, uh, by Jack Frost. Jack. Baker. Jack. Well, Kerouac. Jack London. Jack London. <laughs> Jack, uh, be nimble. <laughs> by Jack London. Be nimble. Um, I like that, uh, he, they don't really, like, there's no tragic event that gets them over the cliff, it's just Homer's driving and then parks yeah. halfway <laughs> over the cliff. Everything's fine, then all of a sudden, oh no. He goes, should we stop here? And they say, yes. And then he stops the car and they happen to be halfway over the side of a cliff. That kind of brings us to one of my favorite gags of the um, episode. It's where they were teetering on the cliff and they just teetered for such a long time. Yeah. It was just, it had you on pins and needles, yeah. really. And they it just had like me over the edge. And, teetered. and then I don't Whoa. know if you saw later in the episode when they were going down the waterfall. Yeah, they, they were teetered on they the were, Yeah, they were yeah. swimming, yeah. swimming, swimming. Uh, just keep swimming. And so the, you know, RV bites it and they are left in the wild. And, and, and Homer is, you know, it looks absolutely terrible. And Homer's got the best attitude. Until he walks away <laughs> and decides to scream like some really poor things and everyone can hear it because he's echoing throughout the canyons. Uh, but Bart goes with Homer along with Maggie, which was kind of weird, but I guess, you know, in order to set up the plot point for Maggie in the, in the episodes, you had to do that. They needed that C storyline. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then and then uh, Lisa and Marge are by themselves, never really worrying at any point too much about them. Like, they were never crazy. Very cavalier. Very, yeah, like, oh, I hope they're fine. Like, we clearly know that Homer is useless, and Bart is a child, yeah. and Maggie's even younger. But for some reason, Lisa and Marge are like, oh, you know. I, I kind of liked how that set things up uh, as, like, an overall theme for the episode, though, is really, like, the boys versus the girls versus nature, and yeah. Maggie being in there with the nature. Exactly. That's one of those classic literary right. boys versus girls versus nature. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Jack, it's London, Jack London wrote about that all the time. A lot of Jack London novels. Uh, So they go off looking for, and and Maggie gets sidetracked, and she gets uh, accosted by a bear. But not really. I liked that. That was really cute. It didn't really do much. You didn't actually really need to have it in at all. It was just sort of cute. But her interaction with the bears throughout the episode was really nice. They stole for her and took care of her, and she took care of them. She was really their queen. I really saw them as she was the queen of the bears for the episode. Uh... Peggy Simpson, Queen, Queen of the, the Bears. Bears. <laughs> I know lots of I know lots of young ladies who were Queen of the Bears. I've been to Pride Fest many times, uh, and so this is where I guess to me this is where I sort of fall off a little bit because 
Homer and Bart get in the water, then they end up naked, then they end up covered in leaves. It's just, it's... It's kind of all over the place. It is, yeah, it really is. I mean, especially when you have three separate storylines going yeah. on, and you're not really paying a lot of attention. So the thing is, like, you're not paying attention to Maggie and to, I'm sorry, to Lisa and to Marge, because what they're doing is essentially sitting and waiting. They're not yeah. doing anything. Yeah. Maggie is interacting with the bears, which is very interesting. So, like, there was all these storylines happening, and I feel like nothing got any good attention. And then it all came back around when Homer is covered in mud and can't speak because he's got a mouthful of honey and bees. But, uh, wait, I, I agree in a general sense that there's no great development in this episode, but there are some great gags. There are great yeah, gags, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, like I don't the, doubt that. Yeah. The, the, the line that gets me is when Homer says, it's, it's like... It's like third sense. Having a third sense. Having a third sense. <laughs> um, when he sets up the trap, yeah. um, and Bart goes, what are we supposed to do with that? <laughs> yeah, that was, and what's interesting is the rabbit company is, is, is drawn, of course, in the uh, Life in Hell fashion, the rabbits from Life in Hell, yeah. which is yeah. Matt Groening's comic strip that when I looked it up, by the way, didn't know. It's, it, it stopped being published in 2012. It's been around for 35 years. I never knew that, but they were the, that little rabbit that was flung to another dimension. It was very wily e. coyote. Yeah, and that that, that I was going to say that that, that that was very Looney Tunes esque, and as well as the the picture of the RV falling off, where it just falls off, and you just see the plume of smoke yeah. and then the explosion. This episode has kind of a lot of allusions to older animations because yeah. you also see like the Homer and Bart as like the. Yogi and Boo Boo. When they're smelling the yes. food and they go into the bear's yeah. den, I thought it might have been a very uh, an allusion to Yogi because yeah. they you know, meet up with some bears. And I just say one of the other things too that I found I, I found a little disappointing was that all of a sudden that offshoot of the couple hanging out in the woods and the husband's like, "Oh, come get me, bears!" and like nothing really happened. Yeah, like, just the bottle was stolen. Yeah, it should there should have been something like at least it should have been Maggie scaring him or something like it just there wasn't wasn't a lot of payoff to. Even that, but the thing I liked about that is it showed a like you see the one thing I love about The Simpsons is they have been like a presentation of a almost lower middle class uh, family, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and then you see this kind of like a little more upper middle class, and they're just as dysfunctional, but it's a dysfunction that like doesn't work. Yeah. You see this guy like being a doofus and be like, come get me, bear. And instead of something funny or like there's a payoff to it, the wife is just like, we get it. Why don't you just sit down yeah. and enjoy the vacation? Well, the thing I liked about that uh, gag in particular is it's a very realistic uh, interpretation of ca- what camping is actually like. <laughs> and just waiting know, for your dad to be eaten by a bear I, of hoist of his own batard. I don't know if you guys go camping a lot, but for in the men's no, My dad was eaten by a bear. You just sit at, in the woods. It's just sitting in the woods. Boy, like, it sounds just, like a blast. Oh, boy, it's great. <laughs> Um, another thing is uh, when Homer thinks that Bart is lost after they fall down the waterfall. Yes. He finds his lucky red hat, and he goes, his lucky red hat. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I haven't thought about in a long time, because I think that idea was abandoned maybe like three seasons in, is Bart's red hat. Lucky red hat, yeah. yeah. I remember, yeah. Yeah, that's true. You don't see that. Didn't know you had a red hat. After season three, I don't think. There's like that, um, there's the Indiana Jones gag in the later where he mm-hmm. like grabs for it, yeah. but I didn't even think about it until Homer brought it up yeah. and shouted it to the heavens. Yeah. Also, I thought it was funny where he's like, conceal your nakedness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
the first thing you want to do when you <laughs> this man has read his Genesis. He knows that nakedness is a crime. It's a shame. It's nothing to feel good about, and that you are punished for you eat for your eating off the tree of life. Yeah. So then, um, but then, yeah, Homer gets mistaken for by Bigfoot uh, through a series of m- mishaps. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and what I thought funny about the whole thing, because the the what I liked about that whole gag is. You know, when they, when Marge says, that's not, that's my husband, it goes into the tabloid, (laughs) Bigfoot's wife, and what does he like eating? He likes eating pork pork chops, pork chops chops plenty. And that is the first mention of Homer liking pork chops, which is... Homer loves pork chops. Right under the headline, too, it uh, there was a little thing that said tasty recipes inside. <laughs> <laughs> and you, yeah. Oh, go on. Well, I was just going to say, if you want to make your own Bigfoot pork chops at home. I love eating Bigfoot. Oh, my God, it's so tender, especially the inner foot area. Uh, you know, the... For, for me, the being comfy with the nakedness at first was very weird. Just like, I'm naked, you're naked. <laughs> like, there was literally a, like, like, <laughs> cover up, guys. Yeah. Uh, but the the whole the whole press thing of, of, of the stories coming out, reinterpreting her words on Bigfoot. And then, because it existed then, of course, but it exists even harder now with the media we have. And then especially at the end when... You know, we know it's not a Bigfoot. We know it's a human. We know his name. We know his family. And they're still like, we don't know. (laughs) We just don't know. (laughs) Which just means the conspiracy theorists and the Breitbarts and redstate.coms of the world are going to tell you exactly this is a Bigfoot and it's a Muslim. Okay. <laughs> See, I went there. I did. I went there. The, the scientists have done extensive research and study yeah. on Homer Simpson. <laughs> they feed him. They feed him a steak. Can I have applesauce? It's a pork chop. Oh, it's a pork chop. Oh, I thought applesauce. Oh, oh, see, I just know that from the Brady Bunch. Yeah. Well, it was an illusion. <sighs> It's my new favorite word. Um, well, you'll see a, a ton of them. I was going to say a different word, but you'll see a ton of them in uh, The Simpsons. That's one thing that watching as a child and then getting to be and rewatch them as an adult is all of the... There weren't too many in here, and I thought there was a point where Maggie, after the RV crashes, she says, The Simpsons have entered the forest. Yeah. Just so deadpan. I was like, that's got to be some sort of like classical literature thing. But I looked it up and all I could find was that it's just The Simpsons. It's. Well, then we we talk about that quite a bit. Um, It's so strange to me. uh, Like, for instance, I was watching Jeopardy with my wife today and she Mm -hmm. goes, this. Oh, you have a wife. Congratulations. (laughs) You're happy. Well, we were watching Jeopardy today, and and she was just like, how do you know? I'm just answering them. She's like, how do you know this? And half of the time, I felt like saying I learned it on The Simpsons. Simpsons did it. Oh, everybody, uh, Tyler can really do well at Jeopardy. Watch out Ken Jennings and and, and Deep Blue. Yeah. (laughs) And they didn't we'll know that. Did you know? Did you know that Deep Blue was programmed by the Simpsons writers? That's how it knows yeah. so much. It's all just Harvard graduates and stand-up comedians. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know that's the thing. You know we've mentioned many times in the show, and we talk about a lot on the episode we did with Zach, which was uh, the the writers themselves are so knowledgeable of you know literary, political, historical, everything, yeah. and they they not only put they put them in so well that you don't have to know them. For the jokes to be funny, but if you do know them, they make the jokes that much sweeter. Oh yeah. So, and if anything, I think a good show. I had this thing for my, for myself when I watch any Sorkin show, especially The West Wing, is when I watch it, they'd make a reference to something historical. 
I'd go look it up then and try to figure it out and learn about it, which I think is also the mark of a good show because I think, from what the both of you are saying, you learn things from those shows because of the of the of the references they put in there. Oh, so formative. Yeah. Um, I so as a general idea about this episode, um, we so we see that Homer's been tested, and then the end shot is him in bed with Marge, yes. and so it all resolves so quickly. Mm-hmm. It's like they test him, and he's maybe he's Bigfoot. We don't know. And then he's watching the news about him, and he's like, "Oh, the guys at work are going to have a field day with this." Um, because they say either he's a above uh, average. average intelligent beast, beast or he's a <laughs> below average intelligent man. And then Marge says, you will, oh, uh, she kisses him and she says, uh, like, I love you, you brilliant beast. Yeah. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, while I don't think it's a completely, like, plot-driven and, like, forward-moving episode, I do think it sets up a lot of ideas about what The Simpsons will be. Become, yeah, totally. Yeah. That's a that's a very interesting statement. I look forward to applying that idea to watching the future episodes. Yeah. For me, watching that, I once again, just I like watching the... The showing of a couple that no matter what they go through, they're so in love. I love the fact that Marge is so in love with Homer. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that Homer being so insecure with himself and nervous about what other people are going to think of him. And when things ultimately fail on him, he's always got Marge to not only say, you know, it's okay, but I really love you. Like, you are my, you know, you're my husband. And there's something very endearing, I find, about that because at the end of the day, that's what the characters need. They need each other. And when they have each other, that's great. There's always a sense of bonding. But we all know that you, you, you might be that kind of family. You might be the kind of family, I don't know about myself, but, like, the families that, you know, make fun of each other stay together. You know, yeah. like, they're, mm-hmm. they, they're, they're quick to razz each other, but they're also quick to say, we love you very much. Yeah. I also found it interesting that this episode in particular... Um, you can see the episodes up until now starting out of more Bart centric mm-hmm. and moving to more a Homer focused yeah. uh, episode, and this one particularly stands out as this is really a Homer episode. Yeah, it really is. I mean, everybody, and you know what's interesting about that is that it is a Homer centric episode, and with that, it, it's what's disappointing to me is because they could have put even more into Homer then. Yeah. Being such a Homer-centric episode. Like an episode like Moaning Lisa, it was a Lisa-driven episode. Everybody there was to serve the number one story, which was Lisa. This one was a Homer-centric episode, but yet everything was all over the place. And I felt like there could have been more put into... Because you, you see how he feels at the end. You don't actually see how he feels until the end of the episode of, of the, the time he's had out there and how it makes him feel both of just personally and how he'll look professionally... But there could have been more in there if they had scaled back the C. They would take out the C storyline yeah. and put something in the middle. The Homer thing. I just want to do something for my family, something like that. You know, what I mean, I can sit here thirty years later and say I told you so, and I know better. And I, I can't tell them so, and I don't know better. But still, if it, if an episode is is character centric, especially one character. I feel like it does right by the story to say, let's put as much information in there about this character as possible. Yeah. Uh, one of the, I mean, just to talk in these classic uh, literary ideas, um, Moaning Lisa, that seems like she's having self-conflict. Mm-hmm. She's like, uh, it's a man versus self. We see a lot of, like, these characters having their own personal journeys. I think a lot of what this showed was 
how the Simpsons work within the greater idea of the world. Yeah. So, like, we saw another family that wasn't, like, even, you don't, you know, you'll never, you'll never see that other camping family. But it was just like, oh, yeah, that seems like my family. Like, the, the two guys sitting around and the dad kind of being a jerk and the mom being like, stop being a jerk. But the Simpsons are this, you know, they're the kind of family that will teeter on the edge of a cliff for, you know, their yeah. cartoons in a real world. And so, like, being mistaken for Bigfoot is something that might happen to them. It's it's more of like a man in society, man versus society, man versus nature kind of story we see in this one. Yeah. There's something, and allow me to go deep into this one. Ooh. But, but what you're saying, Jordan, is, you know, you look at the character of someone like of Homer and Marge, they are the first generation to come out of, you know, if, if all being all things being equal, and in 1990 they are in their 30s. They're the first generations to come out of the war, like as a babies, the baby boomers, mm-hmm. where their parents wanted them to do better, and they those parents got the jobs out of the factories to make a good living, to create mm-hmm. a safe and secure America where your kids did better, and you know, the, you know he works in a nuclear plant with supposedly a good job, and she's a housewife, and you're supposed to be doing better, and when things don't go better, you think to yourself, well, what am I doing wrong? Where am I failing? The dream that I was raised to have, and here are my kids. I mean, I'm, I'm going deep into it, but I'm sure there are a lot of parents out there who in those days and agents and saw, oh, my God, I came out of the, the America of milk and honey. Yeah. I grew up in a beautiful suburb. I went to a nice school, and now I have this job that doesn't pay a lot. We're having trouble, you know. It's 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 an interesting to look at it now. It's it's an it can be an interesting study on character development out of a certain period of America that was supposed to be beautiful. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think all in all, like you said, it was a fine episode. Yeah, it was yeah. an okay episode. It had good it had good stuff on there. So absolutely. Um, but for me, I'd have loved to see more with Homer. Then, if we're going to call it a Homer centric episode, which I agree with you, yeah. I'd like to see more development with Homer as far as. More backstory with him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, so, some things we want to talk to Jordan about. Hey, what's going on? Uh, so, Jordan, we have big questions. We have big questions. No, so like, so you are a performer. You are an actor. Uh, Sometimes you, people tell me that. Okay, confidence, my friend. Confidence. Yeah. But as Jordan, a, Jordan is Jordan. <laughs> whatever, whatever that might mean. Defies a defies Jordan. Later. Period. Um, well, I, okay, so before you ask me any questions, I do want to say it's like around Christmas, it's around the holidays, so I wanted to bring you a little Simpsons gift. Oh, God. Um, so this is both within The Simpsons, and it's also within my realm, which is puns. Um, <laughs> so Dan Castanella, um, <laughs> the voice of Homer Simpson, um, on the Tracy Ullman show, yes. uh, the word dough mm-hmm. came from, in the script, mm-hmm. annoyed grunt. Are you familiar with this? Yes, I am. Okay, so... Greg's not. All right. <laughs> so, the word dough, he just... Uh, it was originally a word that I will not utter on this podcast, and Matt Groening was like, can we just shorten that up? Can we make it something simpler? Yeah. And so he came up with dough. And so in scripts today, it does not say dough unless it's like a certain joke. It says annoyed grunt. Mm-hmm. And the writers of The Simpsons will, in titles for the episodes, mm-hmm. put uh, puns using annoyed grunt instead of dough. <laughs> so there's an episode called Supercalifragilisticexpialaannoyedgruntages. 
<laughs> and there's all sorts of episodes that instead of, it's a, instead of using dough as the sound, it just says annoyed grunt. That's, uh, That's I, I love that. I love that. Uh, if you are a uh, a fan of the show Arrested Development, when he plays the doctor on that on the episode, he's on, <laughs> there's a moment where he's talking to the patient and something happens and he just goes, Doe. <laughs> just real, like, it's real under the, just, just like, if you don't hear it, you won't catch it, but when you yeah. do, it's like, it's really funny. It's funny to me, at least. Okay, fine, whatever. Doe is, Doe is one of many words from the Simpsons lexicon that's been added to actual dictionaries. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, uh... It's, who would have thought? I bet the definition is Doe annoyed grunt. A deer. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay never mind. That was wrong. Uh... So, yeah. Well, thank you for that piece of trivia. No worries. Like Merry Christmas. Like there you well, go. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm Jewish. That's fine, though. Um, I won't say that other thing. Uh, so, you, you being a performer, the questions we have, we have for our other guests is, growing up from where when you started watching... First of all, how old were you when you started watching? Uh, probably too young to be watching The Simpsons. Did you lie about it? No, um, my parents got kind of weird about TV a little later, but mm-hmm. um, they definitely let me stay up just until The Simpsons ended because I remember hearing that dun 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 dun. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like I was like ah, bedtime. Bedtime. Yeah. Yep. So that was my bedtime. But I yeah, they let me watch it, and then they got a little weird, so I had to sneak and watch it. So when you snuck and watch it, was it like the? <laughs> Greg thinks this is hilarious, but I used to lie to my parents. I used to tell them I was watching Frasier. <laughs> Frasier is so much worse than the Simpsons. <laughs> Here's the thing is, I, want, I just want to imagine there's some kid listening to our Patches podcast, listening to our podcast, and their parents say, what podcast are you listening to? And they're like, I'm listening to the Frasier podcast. <laughs> A Visitor's Guide to Philadelphia. <laughs> um... So you're young. You were young, and in your performing in your performing career, how much did The Simpsons influence you or inform your style? You know, being a very um, I told people to eat my shorts all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, just the type of comedy that came out of The Simpsons. Um, I mean, I was I was like a, I was a naughty like class clown, and so um, I, that was so much Bart and just his like connection to his family, but also being just kind of this mess up the whole time was something that I totally related to. Uh, Lisa was my first crush yeah. ever, which is a yeah. weird thing to think about. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. But I, I loved weird. her. <laughs> <laughs> right here to judge Tyler. She's hot. Um, She's eight. Well, we were, when I was, when I was a kid, Bart and I are the same age. We're the same age. We are All right, but I mean, as I mean, as writers and uh, comedians and uh, performers as we are and aspire to be, um, I mean, the the writers and the people that you saw grow up through this, like Conan O'Brien mm-hmm. and Bob Odenkirk, Dana like Gould. yeah, these guys shaped so much of the comedy that I watched and has made me into the kind of performer I am today. So I, I definitely have to say that if this was like. 50% of what I was watching as a kid, which it probably was because there wasn't a lot of TV back then. Um, yeah, it's totally formative. Excellent. Okay. Now, the the big question um, I want to ask, but if there's anything else you want to ask, Tyler, real quick, I mean, before we 
So I feel like the, the question I'm going to ask is like the, the big question. It might not be the big question, but in my head it's the big question. Do you think it's the big question? It could be the big question. That's I'd like what it I would ask. I'd like it to be Why the big do you think this is the big question, Because I grew up... This is the big question. Because I grew up... My dad worked in a nuclear power plant. He didn't really achieve much in his life, and I want to feel like I, did, I could do better. Yeah, but you had an RV. A bad RV, though. It was terrible. And we drove it off a cliff. What's your name? (laughs) Shut up is my name. This is America, none of your business. Uh, No, ask your question. So, in your your history of watching The Simpsons, you... Did you stop watching them after a while? I Yeah, I definitely did. Um, so I feel like around when Family Guy came out, um, The Simpsons felt like they had something to prove. They were probably losing like, viewership. Mm-hmm. And it just ended up getting like super wacky. Yeah. Um, and uh, I feel like it's scaled back. I've seen a few episodes in the last couple of years, and I've enjoyed them. Okay. Um, but, I mean, we're on, what, season 27, 27 now? Mm-hmm. And I just, there's so much content out there right now that I think I've seen enough Simpsons in my life. That, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of things battling for your time. That's the thing. And, yeah. and nowadays, most things we watch, I mean, there's very sh- few shows I watch in their entirety. There are most things I catch online in snippets. Like most late night shows now, I watch in snippets. I don't right. watch. Yeah. So I, don't I think on. most of them survive on YouTube clips. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we, if you had to take a period. From the show, from this 27 years it's been on, with like from season A to season B, like where would your your stretch be? I think it's probably a pretty standard response you'll get, but I, even though I do love a lot of the episodes in season one, I would say because to make it a limited set, I would say like three through seven oh. is like a really good chunk where you're getting a good amount of episodes and you're getting just like a huge swath of stories and episodes, yeah. That's interesting. Most people start at season three. Yeah. yeah. And they usually go into like nine to eleven. Yeah. Now, uh, there's there, it's, it's this portion for me is like because it's like like we say this is a show where like I don't watch it but I have a, I, have, I didn't watch it so I have a lot of friends who did so there's a lot of opinions they have. Yeah. Um, uh, just stop right there because I can't remember what the question at was. At a point? Yeah, at a point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I know what the last question is going to be, but the second to last question is... If you oh, yes, okay. All right. So one of the things we have with us in The Simpsons is we have what you were talking about, these great writing staffs that went on to... Just to dominate the comedy world, mm-hmm. from from just being writers then to running shows to being these titans and pillars in front of and behind the screen. So when I hear Simpsons fans talk about how they feel the writing has gone downhill or whatever they feel like it is, how is it, in your opinion, the fact that in 27 years we couldn't have a a, a comeback group? Like there's there isn't a group that uh, I'm not saying had to outshine or do better, but had that great well of ideas that this other group had in the early days, the golden era, as some might call it. But right. that's just interesting to me that in 27 years you couldn't duplicate it at least twice. I, I'm not saying that they haven't. Uh, I haven't, obviously, I haven't been present and watching The Simpsons as I probably could have been. Um, but it's also comedy has changed. Mm-hmm. When The Simpsons came about, they were changing the game, They but they were approaching things that we could all relate to. Um, and that's one of the things that I miss, and I did miss, was that no matter how weird the storylines got, they were always still just like a family, and that was what completely grounded them. Yeah. Is uh, One of my favorite episodes is... Um, the one where Bart is about to flunk. 
Um, and yeah. Yeah. And it ends with him, like, on the verge of tears, mm-hmm. talking about how scared, just basically so scared that he's going to go back one year, even though he never progresses. <laughs> Ever. This is, I think, is this Bart the Genius, I believe, where he's he fails? Is that the right one? Was there it? are so many instances if where it's he's a, no. to flunk. Um, it's where he keeps, uh, they're telling him he's going to flunk, and then he he gets a, he tutors, and he takes the test, and he basically fails, and then he just says, like, I feel like, yeah. yeah. Where is the dream where he's with the Founding Fathers? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Right, 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 right. yeah. yeah. Um, and, like, that has stuck with me, and those episodes stick with me because I felt like they were real people as mm-hmm. much as they were cartoons. Yeah. And then one of the last episodes I saw of The Simpsons, like Homer's neck stretched like around the house because there was like a pie on the other side of the house. <laughs> and I said, That's not, there's no realism in that. Yeah. And I can't, like I could watch any other dumb cartoon show and see that. And so maybe there is a group of writers that's doing crazy, innovative stuff, but I think just, like, comedy has changed and The Simpsons maybe don't belong in this comedy world anymore. Well, I think, that, you know, no matter what, correct me if I'm wrong if you think the opinion is different, but, you know, no matter how wacky something is, no matter how, you have to be grounded in reality. There has to be an identification point to the audience watching. I mean, if I'm watching something and a man's head is going around the house for a piece of dessert... It can be funny, but I also want to know, like, how am I supposed to relate to that? Yeah. You know? Like, I, I, what did I relate to most about this episode? The most I related to was the idea that he wanted to treat his family. He wanted to achieve something. And ultimately, at the end, he didn't want to look like a buffoon, but he had someone who loved him. And, like, for me, it's always going to go back to how does, does the show identify with its audience? And you have to do that on a level of reality. Mm-hmm. The cartoon does not get a, a pass on that matter. It has to be grounded in some sort of reality. Even crazy Adult Swim cartoons have emotion that you can ground in reality. Yeah, and so then then it brings you into ideas of absurdism. And while The Simpsons, I feel at times, like brought in like touches and whispers of that, they were always... It was always more like magical realism where, like... They, I don't know, it always just brought you back to, like, no, this is a family just like your family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and they're not dealing with anything greater than what you would deal with. And so that's, like, the bears in this episode. I was a little like, oh, okay, it's yeah. cute. But <laughs> it's a little wacky. It's, it's a little yeah. wacky, yeah. Uh, and then finally for me, uh, if you were to be handed the keys of the castle tomorrow and said, Jordan, you are now the showrunner of The Simpsons, what do you think you'd want to do differently? Or what, do you, what would you do the same, do differently, ideas, things of that nature? I'd probably just shut it down. Really? Yeah, I'd turn, I'd turn it off. It's been a good run. It's yeah. been a good 27 yeah, season run. The, one of the longest running shows ever. Yeah. And I think that's so good, and I feel that about so many things, is there's a time when it's just good to turn off the lights and how, say... How do you end it then? Um, they fall over a cliff and are... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, well, that's a great place to... Uh, yeah, I've got one last question. We don't care, that's fine. Um, so we're moving on. What? I'm just kidding. Jordan, uh, where can people find you? Um, so you can go to uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Punk Asked, a pun cast. It's also a podcast, so that's how you listen to it. It's a podcast that is a pun cast. Um, it's me and my brother. We make puns. We play pun games. Uh, I'm going to have Tyler guesting yeah. on it soon. He'll be probably spread throughout a couple episodes just to wow. get as much Tyler as we can wow. get. The more Tyler, the, the better. better. That's what we say. That's our actually tagline for the podcast. <laughs> um, so you can just find that on uh, yeah, punk, asked, uh, punk underscore asked Instagram, Twitter. Um, Constance Wu from Fresh Off the Boat said we're her favorite podcast. Wow. Really? Uh, Constance, uh, listen to our podcast and say that we're your favorite podcast about The Simpsons. She also said she hated Radio Lab, which I don't stand by. <laughs> Constance, don't listen to our podcast. We can't handle that. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's where you can find me in a podcast form. Otherwise, uh, brutal kind on Twitter. That doesn't matter. I don't do anything there. Okay. Well, cool. Uh, do you have anything coming up? Um, I mean, this is going to be released. No, no. 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 Okay. No. Oh. All right. We'll Greg. Tyler. Greg. Tyler. Greg. Tyler. You can find me on uh, Instagram. Instagram. Twitter. Twitter. Facebook. Facebook Tumblr. At. At J Tyler Men's. That's at, it. At, I love. I love J, his. He's just branded. He's just branded. You can email me at jtylermens.com or at jtylermens. Oh. Uh, jtylermens. Uh, at gmail.com. There it is. Cool. So, yeah. Do you have um, any shows coming up? Totally then? branded. Um, do I have any shows coming up? I've got a couple things coming up in uh, January that I haven't announced yet. Yeah. What about you uh, in April? April? Oh, April. I'll His be wife. Open. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> April. <laughs> Podcast. Good night. My wife. Uh, April, I'll be opening at, at, I'll be opening up for Andy Kindler at Club Garibaldi in Milwaukee. Very April cool. 4th, I believe it's a Monday. Along with Jay Cornelli of the Good Night Milwaukee that's right. show. That's right. There will not be a reunion. No reunion. Sorry, fans. Infinite hiatus. Infinite hiatus. Uh, what about you, Greg? Uh, if you want to find me, you can check me out on Facebook. Uh, you can check me out on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, find me there at the letter I, Greg Bach, so I, Greg Bach, on those two sites. You can also go to gregbach.com for all my stuff coming up. we got these videos, show dates. Uh, if I ever type anything up like an essay, they'll, it'll be there, but it probably won't be there anytime soon. Uh, so you can see what I'm doing show-wise. Um, you can listen to this podcast because that's pretty nice. Um, I'm, I, I've got a show to announce. Oh. Yes. <laughs> I, we'll announce it. Okay, all right. <laughs> that, uh, he wants trumpets. No, I, I guess I wanted some kind of approval. Ta-da. No, no, in uh, January 17th, uh, next month, I will be opening for Hari Kondabolu in Madison. That will be very, very fun at the Majestic Theater. So go to their website to get tickets. I'd love to see you out there. Uh, that's. We'd also like to thank um, Attic Stein, Stein yes. for musical contributions to the show yep. and uh, Crazy Film, <laughs> Crazy Films for their last little sound snippet. If people listen to the very yeah, listen to the all the way to the end. It's like it's like a Marvel singer, only it's better. Also, uh, at Josh Comics for some artwork. Yes, that he's yeah. con- uh, contributed to the show. We've got a lot of great people who are putting out their talent for us, and we really, really appreciate Woo-hoo. it. What is it? The what is the thing that Bart says in your opening uh, song? Uh, uh, dough. 
What does he say? I, I keep thinking he's saying, I don't, like, remix or something. I don't listen to the show. It's crass. I can't, <laughs> I can't think of it off the top of my head. All right, I'm sorry. Sorry I asked. Had two, three beers, so. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's been listening, been sending us uh, great comments. If you are listening to us on iTunes, please go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Those reviews help us with possible advertising, help us with position placement on iTunes for podcasting and recognition. Also, they validate us. We validate us. They validate our feelings. They validate our parking it's great stuff so we're just really happy to have you guys listening to us and uh we are very appreciative of everything so please go to our respective websites to check us out go to springfieldvisitorsguide.tumblr.com for anything else going on drop your comments questions nice complaints there put pictures up if you want tell us stories about the simpsons in your life and i think that's it also also big fan to a big uh big ups to um, Matt Campbell and Milwaukee Comedy for being awesome too and being a supporter of the things we do. Yeah. Because he's just a great guy and we love him to death. So Also, thanks for being here, Jordan. Oh, yeah, I guess thanks you too, Jordan. Whatever. Whatever. Merry Christmas, yeah. guys. Happy New Year. Thank you very much to you too. Um, to you and yours and happy Hanukkah. Uh, let's strom. I'm not Jewish. Uh, <laughs> it's right. the music. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Greg Bach. I'm Tyler Menz. I'm Jordan Gwazowski. And you are wonderful.